Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Christopher Nee, Josh Newberg, and Zach Blaustein. Uh, who would we say is the most frazzled out of the three of you right now? Is it Josh? It's Josh. Josh. He, he thinks he's losing here, so it's just it's all downhill from there. Why'd you have to point I it out? Hi, guys. I don't think I'm frazzled. I'm just honestly a little bit hungover from the eighth night of Hanukkah. We went a little hard last night with the family, so I'm here. Those, those, those lockers slap a, a little different on the last day. alcoholic drink? No. Uh, well, Manischewitz wine, but we didn't drink that. Um, my brother was making Negronis, and we just had a lot of wine. There you go. I had I had Elliot on bourbon on the budget the other day and he was like and I was like it was a second day of Hanukkah I'm like can you drink like right now and he was like yeah he's like I'm not that Jewish what? no there's a lot of drinking involved with Jewish holidays so that's not a uh, it's that's not, not a, bad a thing. thing okay no all right there'll be a lot of drinking during uh, Christmas for me coming up in a couple weeks there'll be a lot of drinking uh, probably tonight as well there's a lot of there's... drinking for you on a Tuesday well. Monday night's bourbon on a budget, so it'll be a lot tonight as well as we record. All right, so there is a ton going on in the world of FSU athletics. Feels like there's always a lot going on this time of year, but uh, the last 24, 48 hours or so have been particularly intense with all sorts of stuff. And then let's see, I got portal talk to get to, athletic director talking out. Chris Nees is really just chomping at the bit to get into, uh, and a lot of recruiting as well. And that's going to kind of take us into the beginning of the show here which is linebacker recruiting, Chris Marv, and Randy Shannon. I have all those things written down here in my script, and as I've contemplated how to, to kind of open the show, I I really don't know. They all feel kind of related to some extent or another. Uh, so let's start off first with Wesley Besaint, the four-star linebacker from Miami, uh, plays at Miami Central, picked Miami over Florida State on Saturday during a live commitment ceremony. Zach, uh, I will throw this to you because you really kind of got things going on Saturday morning with the idea of you know people went to bed, including, I believe, Florida State staff, probably thinking that they felt good about Florida State's chances going into the day. Uh, but you you heard otherwise early on Saturday morning, and that kind of shaped uh, the rest of the day. Yeah, um, I spoke to a source early in the morning, and they didn't express confidence about landing Besaint later that day. Um, as things started to you know move forward, I felt more and more confident about that Miami crystal ball pick. Um, and Josh can touch on this too, but I think uh, Miami made like pretty much a last second play here. Uh, Florida State really felt good. It's not like I mean this is just recruiting. It's not like this is something that happened days ago. This legitimately I think happened the day before um, Besaint. The switch happened the day before Besaint was set to decide. Um, Florida State felt confident the whole week, um, pretty much dating back to that that visit, the unofficial he took for the Miami game, um, and he got to witness FSU beat Miami inside Oak. Um, and after that trip, I really felt good about where Florida, Florida State stood. Um, after the in-home visit, I think the FSU staff felt good. Um, I don't think they had a definitive answer on where he was headed, but by all accounts, they felt good. Um, and then that, uh, what was it, Friday night into Saturday morning is when things kind of shifted. Sorry, I'm muted, and I was trying to move uh, browsers there. So so you guys know, uh, I accidentally put in the StreamYard link into the Knowles 24-7 message board. So we got like four or five people here watching on, which, hi, guys, you're welcome to watch. But they will be in the studio after we stop recording. So mind yourself, all right? Uh so, so Josh, what did you get in terms of intel and 
Zach mentioned that things shifted between that Friday and Saturday. You felt good. You had dropped a crystal ball earlier in the week. Uh, you felt like you liked FSU's chances. I guess what can we get into on why what we feel shifted for Florida State at, at the kind of the bitter end there? Well, for me, I mean, I put my crystal ball in like like I uh, reported and said in there that you know neither staff had been informed of Wesley Besaint's decision. So I woke up on Saturday morning trying to go about my day, have a nice little Saturday. Me and the girlfriend went for breakfast. And then I was literally at Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> getting a present for my mom. And Zach put in the group chat about um, you know what he got from a source. It's a source that both Zach and I are familiar with. So I started asking around different people as well. And, you know, it was, I was getting the same response that they weren't confident. And then, you know, eh, maybe around whatever I put my crystal ball in, I was driving home and I finally, I got a text that told me like, yeah, it's going to be Miami. Um, so we got it on, on multiple different sources that, you know, were confident on one day and then, and then, you know, on Saturday morning, it was going the other direction after a late night phone call with Miami on Friday night. So Still don't really know exactly what went down or who called him. I don't have all the details of what went on in that last 24 hours with Leslie Besaint, but um, it was enough to sway his decision. I, I will give Chris Neat a lot of credit because for weeks, maybe even months leading up to it, he said that with the Miami kids, you don't want to paint with a broad brush, but you never know until the very end. And that was kind of the case here. So Chris, round of applause for you being just a chiseled veteran. It's almost like I've done this a time or 20 <laughs> Uh, so when when actually the commitment came to fruition and uh, Josh is taking calls right now because tis the season, busy season, uh, when Miami gets a commitment from Wesley Besaint, I think my initial response was when we found that out and then kind of seen it actually happen, I thought it was embarrassing for Florida State. And I think you could argue, yeah, he's a Miami kid. He was always going to commit to Miami. But FSU poured a ton of time and resources of multiple coaches recruiting him, both on field staff and support staff with building connections. Uh, and it didn't pan out. And I think a lot of that, a lot of that frustration that I felt on Saturday kind of was directed at Chris Marv. And it's just not because of this one isolated incident, but a longstanding concern I think that all four of us have shared and if you guys disagree with me please don't let me speak for you correct me but is that he wasn't doing enough on the recruiting trail and I don't think it was an effort thing I think it was just an inability struggling to close for whatever reason to bring in the talent that's necessary for Florida State's defense to take the next step that doesn't fall all completely on Chris Marv linebacker coach like it's collective for the entire defensive staff and ultimately recruiting to reflection on the head coach but uh, the track record specifically at linebacker during Chris Marv's tenure now in the third recruiting cycle here, even looking ahead to some of the 2023 options to me, just really underwhelming. And, and I think uh, not being able to get Wesley Besaint to commit to you, despite Manny Diaz being very much on the hot seat, who knows if Manny Diaz has a job by the time we finish recording this podcast on Monday, I have no idea what's going to happen down there, but to have that guy commit to that coach, uh, not knowing what the future is going to hold. Like, so during this level of uncertainty, I, that was embarrassing to me as someone who, who follows and appreciates Florida State. Yeah, I found it deflating because um, it's concerning that FSU can't rectify their situation at linebacker. It's, it's about Jimmy and Joe's as much as anything, and FSU has failed to secure enough guys who are of that level 
Um, the best recruit brought to FSU in part by Chris Marv and FSU recruits as a staff. So don't fall in the trap of us only saying it's Marv in all these cases. But obviously he's a position coach. He has to rectify his position. That's what's going to determine whether he keeps his job or not. Ultimately, in a normal situation, is what he has at his position. The best one is DJ Lundy. Yeah, I mean, to add on depth to that. Isn't there. Yeah, no, it's uh, the the results speak for themselves in terms of recruiting. What were you going to say, Zach? I mean, to add on to what Chris said, I just think it's um, the results speak for themselves. Like you said, uh, his two commitments uh, during his tenure at the linebacker position, Chris Marvin talking about is Jordan Eubanks from the 2020 class and Omar Graham. And that's not a knock on those two guys. I think Omar Graham could be a really serviceable, um, maybe even star player for you down the road if he can develop. Um, but that can't be your only guy, the only guys that you're bringing in. Um, you know, Omar Graham isn't a traditional linebacker. He, he, he literally, his high school tape is just him rushing off the edge. Um, and he's really good at that. But how, how can, you know, you got to see how he convert converts to a more traditional linebacker at the next level. Cause at his size, he's not going to be an edge rusher at, at the college level. It's just not what's going to happen. Um, he could do it at the high school level because obviously um, it's a different level of football. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not only the fact that Besaint didn't choose FSU. It's the fact that where do we turn next? Mm-hmm. I, there's not another guy that you can point to to be like, oh, they're just going to go on him. No, there's, there's no one. Um, they're not, I, for whatever reason, Daniel Martin's not a target. Uh, you know, that could be because they don't think um, he'd help them. But, you know, at this point, um, is he better than, I, I don't know. There's just like, there's no options like other than the transfer portal and right, right now, like you could say Jaron Willis, but I don't really think they're all out pushing for Jaron Willis. Um, so isn't that another example of just either miscalculating a recruitment or not being able to close is, is Jaron well, Willis. The thing. It's like we were looking at the linebacker board in May and June and thinking, wow, like Marv's setting this up nice. You got EJ Lightsey, Jaron Willis. Oh, EJ Lightsey. Yeah. Wesley Besaint, Daniel Martin. All those guys were at one point, I think, favoring Florida State. Like EJ Lightsey would have committed to Florida State if they continue to push. Obviously, he goes and ends up at, in UF's class. I still think he could be, you know, a good option for Florida State, but I don't think that's going to happen. But it seems like whenever these guys come down to decisions, Marv, for whatever reason, wasn't able to close. Um, with Jaron Willis, he grew up an FSU fan and chose Georgia Tech. And obviously that's a unique situation, but twice he chose Georgia Tech. He officially visited Florida State, and it seemed like he was about to flip, but it didn't really seem like Florida State was putting on all-out pressure for that flip. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just, for some reason... Um, at that position, they just can't close. Yeah, if you're putting I, all your eggs in one basket, as they did in the end with Wesley, you, you got to land it. it. It's that simple. You, it's not a position where you can afford to miss. It's Wesley Besaint was not a plus one situation for FSU. Wesley Besaint's an insanely talented young man who I think had a shot of coming in here and contributing very early in his career if he were to end up with FSU. And you missed on him. That's all well and good. But the issue is, what next is a huge question mark and a major concern. And now you're probably portal hunting. And we all know that's sort of a, you know, hit and miss scenario. It's a 50 proposition. Yeah. 
but yeah, when someone's in the portal, they're in the portal for a reason. Well documented on this show. Uh, so, Chris, you mentioned what's next. Do we want to go what's next at linebacker recruiting or what's next at linebacker coaching and where Chris Marf's status is with the program currently? I feel like Josh can double DDT this if he wanted to. <laughs> I don't. Josh doesn't. Josh doesn't give me the confidence that he normally exudes right now. What do you mean? Tell, I, I broke just, the story on Chris Marv. That's not what I'm saying. I know you did, and that's why we're going to throw this to you here. I just. I don't yeah. feel like I have 100% Josh right now. I feel like I have hung over Josh. Oh, no, no, it no, gives no, no. me trepidation. Yeah. I, so yesterday, when news started breaking about Randy Shannon being on the trail, we all started making phone calls. And <clears throat> based on what I was told, uh, I reported that I believe Chris Marv and FSU had parted ways or moved on one one way or another. Uh, I do want to clarify that I don't – I did not report, and I do not believe that Chris Marv was fired. Um, I'm trying to find out if he's headed to Virginia Tech, but either way, I think it's a situation where he's reading the room and is going to take another job. That being said, um, technically, he could return back on the field or back to an on-field coach. At FSU. He's currently yes. been removed from on-field duties, and Randy Shannon is on the road recruiting for Florida State, which yes. is kind of what tipped this off, right? Yes. And even if, say, Chris Marv was sick, you could take him off the road and promote Randy Shannon on. Mm-hmm. And then take him off and put Chris back on. Um, but I do believe uh, Marv's going to find another job elsewhere. I do not believe he was fired. Just wanted to clarify that from the report earlier. Uh, I also kind of wrapped it all up in, in one neat, neat little package saying that I'm hearing Randy, Randy Shannon will move into that role likely long term. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, there's this isn't going to happen anytime soon, but I wouldn't be surprised if Shannon got the linebacker job with a co-DC title. Uh, once those contract deals are worked out, we'll let you know. But also, you know, it's not a slam dunk that it's going to be Randy Shannon, but I do believe that's the that's the direction they're headed. I think Randy Shannon makes sense. We, if I were a good producer, I would have had this already cut. Would be my audio from like nine months ago when Randy Shannon was hot hired as a, a staffer saying that this was a very possible situation as Chris Marvel move on and Randy Shannon would kind of jump right in to that role. Um, I have talked to a couple sources who have echoed the same thing that uh, there's excitement for if it is Randy Shannon that they would really like to play for Randy Shannon or having been on field coach. He brought a lot of value in terms of just kind of being a steady presence, overseeing the defense this year, helping out guys to the side and just being very, very grounded, which is what you would expect from a veteran coach. And then I also have also been told that him and Adam Fuller work hand in hand a lot and have been working very well together. And that that is a contributing factor on, on some of this. Yep. I I think uh, Randy Shannon's value has been everything that I, I thought it could be, and then some when he first came here. Uh, for what you paid for him this past year, I think it was well worth it, 60000 He gave you a shot at Wesley Besaint. He's given you a shot at Earl Little with his connections. It'd be great if he could close on either one of those guys. We'll see. But in terms of him just helping out, uh, he's he's been huge. So I think he would make a lot of sense if that's ultimately where FSU decides to go, as expected right now. Uh, anything else we want to add on the coaches before we kind of just paint the final picture of the linebacker board as it stands right now? Everybody, I mean, everybody else in the coaching on the coaching staff is accounted for. Um, I don't expect any other changes. And as I've kind of said this whole time, I didn't think Mike Norvell was going to fire anybody. This is kind of the way that if there were going to be changes, how I thought it would go down. Yeah, a couple house cleaning bits on this. Brent Pry coached Chris Marv. That's the VTech tie that exists there. Uh, yesterday, FSU did confirm, an FSU official did confirm that Randy Shannon was a countable coach. 
meaning he officially is allowed on the road. They did not issue any comment on any other coaches currently on or previously on the staff. Josh, I don't mean to do this to you, but I just want to make sure we're being clear on our words. You say you don't expect any more changes on the coaching staff. Do you mean right now, imminently, or just right, in general? Correct. Right, right. correct. Just want to make sure because someone's going to yeah. catch that and, and ask about it. Okay. Uh, linebacker recruiting boards, that kind of indicated that there's not a whole lot of viable options right now. Uh, EJ Lightsey is some that makes heart, uh, Chris's heart beat quickly, but I don't know of any traction there. Do we know, was that FSU? Who wasn't high on Lightsey? Was it the coaching staff in general? Or was it Marv specifically? Do we know who? I, 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 I think was, they there make was one, all was a decisions. All decisions are made as a coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, there's no way if Mike Norvell wanted EJ Lightsey that Chris Marv could override him on that call. So you know, I don't think it's proper to place blame on anybody in this situation. Okay. I think what happened, um, if you remember that June 5th elite camp, they worked mm-hmm. out basically all their linebacker targets. It was like Quavian Carter, Daniel Martin, EJ Lightsey. And it seemed like after that, they cooled on like uh, both Quavian Carter and EJ Lightsey after that, after working them out in that camp. Okay. Oh. Right. So I wrote a story, and it's up on Knowles 24-7, what's next for FSU at the linebacker position after the commitment of Wesley Besaint to Miami. And uh, there's really not a whole lot on the board. You know, we, like we talked about, Jerron Willis is a possibility. Daniel Martin is likely not a possibility. Uh, Demario Tolan's a long shot. Shamar James is an extreme long shot. Uh, guys like Makai Mason, Aubrey Smith, or Devin Smith, I don't think they're going to go on. We already know that they passed on Brandon Jennings, so don't even get that started. Um, we got to see what happens this week. I mean, we're just here to report the news, and the news right now is that there's not a whole lot on the board, but this is a week that the coaches are out on the road, and I expect I expect something to change. And for people while you're there, I just dropped it. What's next at linebacker? I put the link in the chat. If you guys want to go ahead and click on that, it's at Knowles 24-7. And I think there'll still be, regardless of, of kind of what's happening with the coaches here, some attrition at linebacker remaining. Uh, I think Kalen Deloach and, and DJ Lundy are pretty solidified and bought in. And I think we'll see kind of what happens with the rest of the position group as, as things try to settle in there in the uh, the coming weeks. Uh, so so still bodies to be added to that position group. This is not a finalized product by any means. Uh, let's move to the recruiting trail. It was a active weekend with official visits. Zach was on the bench. Uh, Zach, you want to fill us in on what happened with the, the official visits and I guess any intel and insight you got from, from the couple of guys who were on campus? Yeah, I mean, it was basically, it was just two guys on campus this weekend, Florida State three-star defensive line commit Aaron Hester and then Georgia four-star defensive line commit Tyree West. Um, Hester, everything's good. Plans to sign in December. He'll be an early enrollee coming in in January. So everything's good on the Hester front. And then with Tyree West, I, I still like where FSU stands. He talks so much about how close he is with Kenyatta Watson. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons why he's super interested in Florida State. Obviously, they've been involved with him. Um, we've reported you know, for months, longer than any of the new schools that are trying to get involved uh, here recently. And I think that's playing a role. Uh, his pro you know the proximity to home um he's got a lot of family he talked about that in our interview that um he wants to see him play at the next level so you know with tiff county only being an hour and a half drive from tallahassee that's working in fsu's favor as well so i like where fsu stands he's going to take a midweek official visit to auburn obviously 
you know, we'll see if he makes it, but I, I expect that to happen. And then Tennessee is set to host him on an official next weekend, and that'll be his last visit before he signs on the 15th. Anyone want to add to, to what Zach provided there? No, I think Zach did a phenomenal job. I mean, Hester's been a super solid commitment. Both of those guys were at the basketball game with Coach Norvell, Coach Papuchas, Coach Higgins were all there. Ryan Bartow, Kenyatta Watson were also there, some other support staff members. Um, Tyree West was accompanied by multiple family members. I noticed I noticed Aaron, I believe, was with mom and dad. Dad obviously played here. You know, I think Aaron Hester could have probably guided his own tours. He knows this place very well. And with Wes, they've done a really good job. The only thing coming up with Wes is what Auburn midweek. Don't know the exact day in Tennessee next weekend, correct? Yeah. Uh, Josh, where you, where you, where's your confidence with Tyree eight. West right now? Eight. Okay, Chris, what's your number? I think I've climbed eight. Me and Josh are meeting in the middle now. Ooh, double eights. Wow. I still feel it? very good about Wes. I think we all do. Um, you never count your chickens, you know, before they hatch type thing. But somebody asks, is Tyree and EE? Do you know, Zach? I don't remember if you told me. I think so. Um, we know he's an early signee. He's an, e, he, he's an he's early enrollee. An ES. We don't know if he's an EE. Okay. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Uh, let's see which direction we want to go. You know, let's pivot to, we'll do a few more recruiting developments in a few minutes here. Uh, but let's kind of set the, the stage and we'll do a more in-depth preview later this week. Chris will be on the bench. And I'm, Chris, I hate to break this to you. I may be joining you for uh, emotional support uh, because there's going to be a handful of official visitors in Tallahassee this upcoming weekend as well. Yeah. You're going to be with me? I mean, I, I can out? I cannot be with you if you prefer to do it by yourself. That's very um, reasonable. I'd rather Chris spend is my enter Saturday into at the, home. Into the portal. In, into the portal, the portal I go. You uh, love okay, it. so this weekend, Juco, DB, Marquise Gilbert expected in. Offensive tackle Julian Armella expected in. He was at Auburn this past weekend. He's talked about maybe fitting Florida in. I don't know if that's going to happen, but FSU this coming weekend, I feel pretty good about where FSU is with him. Azaria Thomas, who's from Niceville, defensive back over there. I personally think he's a safety, but but sure, he's a defensive back. He's supposed to come in this coming weekend. He is one that FSU and the staff with Randy Shannon included went to see yesterday. Mike Norvell was part of that visit. Marcus Woodson's done a good job. They're building a bridge. That was a relationship that was sort of I don't want to get too super deep on it but it was it was weird it was a little strained because of he's Wanye Thomas's little brother Azende Reyes is I believe half brother who is at Georgia Tech as well both of those guys are at Georgia Tech I don't think that AZ had a whole lot of interest in FSU for a good bit of the process they just kind of were that school that yeah I know they're down the street I, I went to their seven on seven this summer I've had contact with the coaches but now they're not it it was Florida, Oklahoma, um, LSU. LSU. He essentially told us that, Chris. Like that was yeah. I mean, he, did, he told it, us that at the. They wore U.S. Seven. gloves to the FSU. Event. Yeah, and at seven on seven, I asked somebody about it about him, and he's just like, it's just not going to be happening with him and FSU. Like they can be nice to him. He has cordial conversations. He doesn't. It wasn't contentious. Here, it just wasn't in play. Right. Well, you fast forward in all the schools he's looking at has had coaching changes. At one point, he kind of leaned, I think, to all three of those: Florida, LSU, Oklahoma. Has a great relationship with Jules at Florida, but it's to be determined if Jules is being retained as far as I know at Florida. So that's kind of opened the door, and FSU's done a good enough job of building relationships with him that he's going to give him the time of day, and he's going to come over here for a visit. And they have a legit shot of landing him here a week out. And if you asked me six months ago, I would have told you you were crazy. 
hell, you asked me three months ago, I probably still would have told you that. But that's why you just you keep plugging away and you keep doing it. And he's a talented kid. I believe he's a top two four seven kid. He's a four star level kid. He's he's a good he's like ball a player. One hundred, yeah. I think. And then, yeah. Go ahead, Zach. No, I was just gonna say I think Marcus Woodson's like the biggest play here, player yeah. here for Florida State. Because even though it's it hasn't been you know always great between the two sides and Thomas and FSU, Woodson's always remained in the picture um, in communication with Thomas just in case a situation like this um, were to occur. And obviously it's it's happening. So I think, um, like you've said in the past, you've told me that Thomas is huge on relationships, and I think that's why UF is still involved because they you know obviously we don't have clarity on whether Jewel Jewel's at UF, Coach Jewel's at UF is going to be retained or not. Um, but I think Woodson becomes what then probably the next um, longest tenured coach that's you know, been in talks with him, right? Yeah, I mean he's known Corey Raymond a long time, and I believe Corey's going to be retained by LSU. I think Brian Kelly has indicated that already, so there is that factor. But I don't know if there's any relationship there with Brian Kelly. So when relationships get severed, it gets interesting, and sometimes you just you build a bridge, and eventually they might cross it. Um, as far as other potential visitors this weekend, and you guys can chime in anytime you want, uh, Daniel Lyons is someone I expect in, but I have not actually had him tell me definitively he's coming in this weekend. His teammate Dante Anderson has previously told me he may visit in December. Obviously, that would put it onto this coming weekend because it's the only remaining weekend. Uh, I believe a transfer or two that they hope to get in, Jared Burse is one of them. I know they hope to get an official locked in for this coming weekend. As of Friday, I believe it was when we last spoke, that was the plan. He was going to Syracuse this weekend, FSU next weekend. May be plugging like an Iowa or somebody in midweek as well. Have you He's watched his highlights, in. Chris? Have you? I love them? his highlights. I love him running down Sean Tucker at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. He uh. He's one of those guys that has recruitments going a million miles per hour, so it's kind of changing constantly. I check in here and there, but I also don't want to wear the kid out. But as of last check, he intended to come in this coming weekend. Micah Pittman's coming in this weekend, correct, guys? Yeah. Uh, anybody else I'm forgetting? Miles Frazier. Oh, Miles Frazier is is probably coming in. He told me it was going to be an unofficial visit. Um, I know Florida State did an in-home with him on Friday night with him and his family, so – I'll reach out to him today and see what's see what the plan is. Because originally he said he was gonna he was gonna take unofficial visits to Miami, Florida, and Florida State this week. So, and I asked him why not an official, and he didn't really have a an answer for that. So I don't know, but I do think he's gonna make it to Florida State um, sometime in the next seven days. If when Daniel Lyons visits this weekend, every FSU commitment will have taken an official here. There you go. That's the formula. Is Micah... Everybody always asks about these guys coming in, and they're like, oh, well, if he doesn't have an official set, he ain't signing. It's just the yeah. way it goes. A wise man once told me, follow the visits. You were going to ask about Pittman? Sedan? Oh, yeah. Uh, is he... I was trying to remember, is he an early, or like a January uh, enrollee? Is he someone who's going to kick it to beyond? Yes. I don't think he's going to take it beyond. I think everybody recruiting him is going to want him in in the spring. He was kind of thrown because um, Oregon doesn't start their semester till like March. Mm-hmm. And that's not how most of the country goes. Um, I don't know what they're on quarters or semesters or whatever. Yeah, West Coast but kids he are was weird thinking when Zach first talked to him and he entered the portal that he was going to do like some sort of spring decision. But I'm pretty certain that now that he's met with with a lot of coaches that you know, he's going to change, but we need to get him on record and, and, and make sure that 
Okay. He was at Arizona State this past weekend, right? That was a plan for him. I haven't yeah. actually seen angry yeah, that action for that. He made, he made it. He did make it. Okay. Then yeah. do we have an update on the FIU so, wide receiver Chambers? Um, he was game? also at Arizona State, I believe. I yeah, think I saw was. that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The only other recruiting topics I wanted to go over were some some tidbits here and there. Oh, this one's kind of significant. Uh, wide receiver commit Devon Mortimer, someone who had a really nice senior year down in South Florida. Yeah, I don't expect. Um, I'm not. Did Josh Reed's on us. Did something just happen? Yeah, yeah. My computer did a little glitch thing. I'm back to. <laughs> I thought it was, was me. Crazy. Like, am I responding to something too late? My, my uh, nine-year-old. You guys were delayed when you're playing video games. Was saying it glitched. It glitched. <laughs> So Josh just threw the 11-year-old excuse to me. Yeah, Josh, you want to talk about the wide receiver transfers, or I was trying to push it forward a little bit there. Uh, whatever you want to I talk had something about to say on Tyrese Chambers. I'm okay. not sure they're like they've been in communication with Tyrese. I'm not convinced they're going to go on him um, because mainly because they didn't do an in-home visit with him last week. Uh, that kind of showed me that maybe there's not a whole lot of interest there. And then yesterday, I confirmed that. He's a guy that they're kind of recruiting, but I don't think that's the direction they're going to go at wide receiver. Okay. And then Devon Mortimer uh, is someone who's currently committed to Florida State, but he just took an official visit to West Virginia. and This weekend. This past weekend. Uh, just and something that, he, go ahead, guys. I'll let you He informed the FSU staff of his decision to take that visit. And um, did I was, was I on here explaining the difference between this and Kayshawn Sapp's no, I don't think so. I think that was got canceled. one of your other platforms probably at this point. I never know what platform. I'm on. So anyway, <laughs> the difference is, is <laughs> Quayshon Sapp wanted to take his visit in January. Florida State wants all their commitments to sign in December. If Quayshon Sapp would have said, I want to take my, December, my visit to UF on December 5th, I don't think FSU would have said anything. The issue was UF wanted him to schedule the visit for like January 17th. And that just throws you. Okay, here's the other thing: if you do take an official visit in January, you cannot sign in December. If you sign in December, you can't take official visits after you sign. So that was. I know a lot of people want to say, "Well, how come Devon Mortimer can take visits and Quayshon Sapp can't?" Because Devon Mortimer took his visit before the early signing period. That's why he got to take a visit. That being said. I do think Devon Mortimer now becomes the one guy on the commit list that we have to watch for flipping, right? Do you guys – are we there? Love, is he the, lo- is he the lo- biggest concern? I love that when he committed, a lot of people were like, oh, should he be a take right now? And, and now the conversation in the final hours here, the final weeks, I guess, technically, is going to flip to uh, – or flip to can we, can we keep him? Can we hold on but, to him? Because he had a really good senior drove home the point that FSU needs a real punt returner. Thanks, Don't Bucky. say that. Don't say that. It's not true. But – yeah, yeah, it is. It is very true. Now that he's very on the true. road, um, Zach, do you think that there's any chance that now that he took this visit that West Virginia could flip him between now and December 15? There's definitely a chance. Um, I spoke with Mortimer late last night after the FSU coaches left his home for, for their final in-home visit with him. Mike Norvell was there, Ron Dugans, a bunch of other assistants. Um, I think they did a good job in solidifying him last night. I think Coach Norvell gave him, you know, his message that he usually gives about, you know, believing in him and all that kind of stuff. And I think Mortimer's really tied in with the staff, especially Ryan Barto, um, that South Florida connection. They're really, they're really close. 
Um, I, you know, I, I have a full update with him on those 24 seven right now, but the, I mean, it's not even just West Virginia, it's Louisville involved too. Louisville is trying to, you know, work a flip late. Um, and they're trying to get him in next weekend, but he told me it's pretty likely that he's going to, um, call that, call them and cancel that visit in the coming days. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, you know, cause before the West Virginia visit, we weren't sure if he was actually going to take it. Like he gave mixed messages a little bit, but obviously he did communicate at the end of the day that he was going to take it with the Florida State staff. Um, but we'll see how things unfold this week. I think it's worrisome if he goes and takes another official, um, but I'd like where FSU stands uh, to, to, to sign him if he doesn't take another official this coming weekend. Okay. Um, Chris, if there's anybody else out there on the commit list that, you know, there's concern over. Well, I should ask you this right now. Is there anybody else on the commit list that you're concerned over outside of Mortimer? Uh, I mean, the things with Woody have really quieted down. You know, maybe we see Auburn make a last-ditch effort to get him over there this coming weekend, but I feel like FSU's weathered that storm very well. Uh, beyond him, I there's nobody I think I can point to. I mean, you always keep an eye on the guys at the top of the list. That's Travis Hunter, Sam McCall. But I feel like we've addressed that time and time again. Travis Hunter certainly has addressed that time and time again. And, you know, till Sam McCall does something to give us concern, I'm not concerned. Okay. There's another thing I want to bring up about getting down to crunch time here with early signing day approaching. How do you think Florida State this time around will address guys with borderline grades? That are committed that because or not committed? that are committed. I think you got to make the judgment off where the transcript stands today. If you think they can make it, if you think they can make it, you've been committed to them. They've been committed to you. Stick with it. If you don't think they can make it, spots are essential. You can't afford to be locked into a spot that you don't use. You can't have a Manny Rogers situation, basically. Right. And we've seen Florida State kind of suffer from this rule in taking a guy like Manny Rogers who didn't make it in, and then you lose that spot, you know, in perpetuity for how many classes is it? It's it's the next class. Just the one, right? I think it's backwards forwards. Just well. the off season. You can't yeah. right, right. So I think there, you know, we might see something shake loose there. If there's a guy or two that they think might not make it in, just something to watch between now and signing day because of the rules and how they've kind of changed over the years. Uh, let's see other recruiting stuff. Uh, some tidbits. Uh, Camden Brown was visited in home by Mike Norvell, correct? Yes, yes. And then Javante yes. Farms is getting a visit as well. I think from Dilly this week. So those are yeah, guys who continue right to now. get visits allocated to them, which is probably worth watching and noting. The plan, as of a couple of days ago, was for Jared Verse to get a healthy amount of the staff in front of him today. They were going to make a pretty big push. I got to double check and make sure that's still happening. But I know that was a plan at the end of last week prior to his mm-hmm. visit to Syracuse as that thing was really picking up steam. When it comes to the transfer market right now, I'd say Versa and Caden Lyles and Micah Pittman are in, in probably that order are – <laughs> the biggest priorities for Florida State right now. Zach enjoying Versa. Is that what guy is Zach? <laughs> it's verse, like chapter and verse. 
We love him, Josh. Josh is hungover. We've established that this morning. Let's go. I got a lot of names going on in my head (laughs) that I'm told are important. And then all of a sudden they're not important. So I got to learn on these guys and then I got to get rid of them. And then I got more coming in. So I I messed up one letter. We're going to stop the podcast to laugh at that. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. Zach's laugh. I was laughing at Zach's laugh too. Josh was in full-on off-season mode a week ago, and I feel like the embers burnt a little hot there, and now he's got to recharge a little bit. Is that fair, Josh? Is that an accurate assessment? We need, need like a day or two to kind of get you revved up again. Yeah, but I'm revved up. I'm I'm here. I used yesterday. I didn't do a. Uh, I got on zero platforms yesterday, so <laughs> I need a little break from all my platforms, and now uh, I'm back, man. I don't know. Yeah, I love the off-season. It is. I, I mean, I, I love what the transfer portal has done to people say it's ruining football. Maybe. I don't know. I just know it makes the offseason a lot more fun because it's like free agency has been incorporated into the recruiting aspect, which yeah. is more like free agency and draft. It's a little much, though. I don't know. This might I, <sighs> this, to do this every year to cover recruiting and the transfer board. Like this might be this might be my last <laughs> run at this. I don't know if I can handle both. Well, hopefully, like. FSU's usage of the transfer portal will wane a little bit over the time. Like if they start, I think it's time for somebody younger than me to take over and, and cover right. the portal and recruiting. We and got Mr. Flipmas. Look at right you, Zach. We got Mr. Flipmas right here. Do we think the portal is ever going to be as nuts as it feels like it's going to be this cycle? I feel like this cycle is impacted by COVID a lot by a lot of kids that went to schools and never visited there, or just yeah. the fact that there's going to be a boatload of coaching change. Because essentially two cycles of coaching change are happening in one with a lot of big dominoes falling. So I feel like that's impacting the portal more this year. And combined with that, I don't know that FSU is going to keep leaning on the portal like this. I don't think they really wanted to this year as much as they're going to, but they have to. But the intention long term is that they don't keep doing this. Yeah, I think eventually – they move from taking eight, nine transfers to taking like two or three, I think ideally, but that's not to say next year, they might not have to take another eight. Like we don't, you know, if the stay, if the roster isn't stabilized, they're going to have to keep doing this until it is. Speaking of stabilizing the roster and transfers, uh, Chris, will the numbers work out? They always work out. <laughs> so I'm trying to update the numbers consistently on those247.com. Uh, I know some people don't like this, counting the numbers but i'm going to count the numbers because uh, i think it's important because our readers want to know the numbers and there's going to be some variables there uh, you can check it out on those 24 7 somebody's got to count the numbers someone's going to do it it's going to be me i'll do the thankless job that pisses everyone off that's fine and then we say doesn't matter sounds like something i would do um but we kind of try, keep trying to clarify the plus seven rule as it applies to the 25 uh player limit plus seven FSU is going to be able to activate the plus seven, like the rule, but the key is getting under 85 scholarships and having enough room for that. So to basically take on 32 prospects in this 2022 cycle, uh, they need, they've had what three guys enter the transfer portal already this week or past week, Chris, Jalen Goss, Ira Henry, Carter Boatwright. Correct. And then DeKalen Brooks uh, departed early. Uh, so I'm not sure if that counts or not, but they're going to have more guys enter the transfer portal probably this week is what I'm assuming. You'll get the seven guys entering the portal that will activate the ability to add seven more players to the class. It's a matter of can you get under the 85-man scholarship. So right now they're at 71 players, I think, ish. I don't know what it's at right now, but essentially you got to boil it down to 53. Yeah, that's what you need to get down to for the uh, 
current roster. So uh, Jalen Goss, Ira Henry, Carter Boatwright all entered. Uh, should we take a moment of silence for Carter Boatwright for Chris to let his heart heal a little bit? I moved on from that long ago. I, I accepted I was completely incorrect after about the second or third time of viewing him. After you he moved saw it puke, over to Jackson West. After you saw him puking in the trash can for like the 100%. third time. Um, I think we still need to do a little. And I still I have optimism remember there, you. Da, 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 da. Will you remember me? Hope we don't get tagged for a, a trademark violation there. Copyright. I think we're okay. You made enough <laughs> changes to it. <laughs> so I don't know. Those three guys were major contributors. I will say at the end of the year, Ira Henry was taking a lot of snaps with the second team and even sometimes the first team offense in practice, which was, I think, more of a um, indictment on FSU's depth on the offensive Man. line. Yeah, think just... about how bad it is. Like when you got guys in your position room that you cannot put in the game yeah that are taking first Multiple team reps. guys right like that you know if push comes to shove like i can't put this guy in the game yeah i feel yeah, like i crazy. owe brady scott money because i always bring him up as the example in these situations but like there's a reason they kept playing brady scott right and there's brady guys not worse than him on the roster right uh and then think about the to Josh's point, taking it one level further, like those are guys who are taking first and second team reps in practice. Think about what that then does to your third team offensive line. And then what that does to your scout team offensive line. Like you're not getting guys any kind of adequate looks in practice on the defensive side of the ball based on just that lack of a functional depth. So I hope offensive lines, they have a, what four or five guys committed currently. They have a transfer prospect and bless Harris committed. Hopefully that, is a position that has room for at least two more guys, hopefully to kind of rectify some of the depth immediately. Uh, let's see. Anything else on current roster attrition or whatnot before we move forward? No, I mean, we expect plenty more of it. You know, you yeah. can look at that roster and see the guys who are veterans who have been passed or guys who we just don't expect to play because that's where we're at. And those are the types that you can expect to leave. There's obviously some flexibility with those types. I'll bring up them. Marcus Stin Douglas, for example, at tight end. He's a guy 12 months ago I probably would have expected to leave. Now I think there's a shot he stays. He mm-hmm. got in better shape, did some stuff in practice. I think they're a little bit more pleased with him today than they were at that point a year ago. Yeah, well, I think we'll continue to see more this week without getting into specifics. I don't like to get into specifics sometimes because it creates uh, unfair pressure to players who are still making final decisions. I don't, I don't want to necessarily do that. So uh, let's go to athletic director talk. Chris, uh, you've been – uh, pretty forward on this and uh, even ahead of some national media folks and putting some information on the message board. So I will throw this to you and, and let you kind of talk about where things are sitting here early Monday morning before business hours start uh, with FSU and its athletic director search. Well, last week, David Coburn and President Richard McAuliffe both came out and said that David Coburn intends to move on by the end of the spring semester, retire. That's always been sort of the plan of this year, this athletic year being his last with a new president now seated, allowing him to make his AD hire. The AD hire for FSU is very important because obviously you need to have someone who will generate revenue. You have capital projects you need to do. You obviously have to keep a pretty good roster of coaches at Florida State satisfied, you know, with their contracts, with what their programs are getting, with what you're doing, what you're doing for the student athletes within their programs. So that's all involved in that. And then you also got to navigate the waters of the ACC TV, generating new revenue, creating new revenue streams, all that fun stuff. So with David Coburn able to hang it up now here and move on, and David was sort of a, 
I don't want to use space filler, but he went from interim to full time because they don't want to hire a full time, have a presidential change and potentially be in this situation. So it was better for him to hold the spot, deal with the budgetary issues. You know, he dealt with some other stuff that was unexpected, namely Willie Taggart to Mike Norvell. Um, you know, baseball hire was sort of expected and handled pretty smoothly and not a surprise to anybody. Um, so that's some of the stuff that David dealt with. So what's next? They started a process of looking. They've been in that process for a while, but it got super serious over the last week, two weeks. Um, Vince Tyra, Louisville's currently sitting AD, has become the most popular name. I wholeheartedly believe he is the main name. I think he also has an offer extended to him, from what I understand, for pretty good money, significantly more than FSU ever paid David Coburn. So FSU's willing to play a little bit bigger ball. It's not near the level of what you're hearing with Dan Rakovich of like the $3 million per year. It's not that. FSU's not going to do that. Truthfully, I feel like that's just throwing money out there to throw money out there. But uh, Vince Tyra is a guy who's been at Louisville for a few years now. He came in. He did an interim phase, transition to full-time when Tom Jerk moved on because of the NCAA scandal that he was somewhat tied into, or at least name dropped into. That's when they had transition. He helped in hiring Chris Mack, who's obviously had mixed results, but was thought as a very good hire from Xavier at the time he was pulled away by Louisville. He also fired Bobby Petrino, hired uh, uh, Scott Satterfield, the current coach. Again, mixed results on the field. He's done some great capital gains projects for them on campus, stuff that they're doing facility-wise, things of that sort. Uh, you know, things that they want. Now, here's the thing. Everybody right now is viewing Louisville through the prism of the fact that their fans are essentially like, yeah, take Tyra, get them out of here. And they love that. And I get that. I, I think that's definitely a reason for concern. I think it's completely fair for people to be a little hesitant on the idea of him being the hire. I think there's also pros in the possibility of him being the hire. One, he knows the landscape of the ACC. Two, he's a sitting AD that understands the responsibilities of the job. Three, he's a guy that's all about M-O-N-E-Y, which is the most important role of that project. And four, he has a very good relationship, from what I've been told, with ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, which is important for the current AD at your school to have a good relationship with the new commissioner of the league, who's likely going to be a commissioner for many, many years to come. So those are pros. There's the cons of he's made two hires, certainly mixed results with that, a fan base that's unhappy with him. Sounds like there's a relatively, and I don't want to get super into the rumor mill of it, but a relationship that's certainly strained between him and the president of the university. The president was not the person who I believe hired him as an interim and promoted him. I believe that all the president came after the AD. Um, so there's all that. So take that in, do it what you will. I'm not going to try to sit here and tell people it's great hire. I'm not going to sit here and tell people I think it's a horrendous hire. I think it's firmly in the middle. ADs take a lot of bullets. It's sort of what the job incorporates, you know, People bit, get pissed off about things. The AD has to wear it, whether or not it was truly their decisions or not. That's true for David Coburn. That's true for Vince Tyra in his current job. If it's not Vince Tyra, I think there's a few names to keep an eye on. I don't think Michael Alford will be the next AD here unless it kind of trickles down to that, just based on what I was told involving the Tyra search. There's a couple other names I've heard. I've mentioned some of them on the message board here and there. But right now, I think the focus wholeheartedly on Vince Tyra. We should get resolution to this probably as early as today. Louisville is supposed to have a BOT meeting at 5 p.m., I think, local time for them today. At that, we could see a transition of power there. Also, a lot of reports serviced out of Louisville market yesterday, including Pat Forty, who's super tied in there, about Tyra being wholeheartedly looking into the FSU job. It started bubbling up, becoming more common. I think Friday is when it kind of gained steam, but it, it didn't 
go away as the weekend progress. So I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And there's a board of trustees meeting that Louisville's having, I believe, today to talk about personnel matters with athletics. So yeah, I assume they, that they did not define those personnel matters. Yeah. And I believe that portion of the meeting is actually closed because of the fact that when it involves hiring, firing, so it's kind of things where there's, you know, p- potential change of decisions, you know, you can keep it private within that. Uh, so just to throw out in the chat that this person said, I think I clicked it, the John Torsky one. Well, okay, we'll go with well, Ryan Johnson one. You can go with that first. So Ryan Johnson asked, but would Purinton be better? That's my question. Jeff Purinton worked at FSU previously, early 2000s. He's now at Alabama, number two. He's also worked with the Orange Bowl, done other stuff and such. Jeff Purinton's a good candidate. It's a name I've thrown out a heck of a lot over the last couple of years as people always ask who might be the next AD because there were obvious ties. He's a person in that administration side of athletics. But from what I understand, in this process, he has not been interviewed. He has not been a guy that they've kind of earmarked as a major candidate for whatever reason. And then John Torsky, who I believe lives in Louisville, or at least in the Kentucky area. No one in Louisville that thinks Vince Tyre is anything special. Why does FSU? We just want a penny pincher. How does this affect Alfred? Okay, on the first part with the Louisville situation, I think I covered that in speaking about the tenuous relationship, people unhappy with Satterfield, all of that stuff. I think FSU likes him for some of the reasons I mapped out as a pro's relationship with the league. He's a guy that's about M-O-N-E-Y. He was a businessman before he was ever an AD. He's done well in capital gains, those kind of things. He's a guy that's a project manager. A lot of those things are similar to, I would say, Dave Hart. I'm not saying Vince Tyra is Dave Hart because I think very highly of Dave Hart. But in the sense of a guy who's about generate money, improve facilities, all of those things. As far as the impact on Michael Alford, I'm not asked Michael Alford that. So I don't want to answer for him and I don't want to speculate for him. But I would hope, and this might be the optimistic side of me, that in FSU making this hire, that they involve Michael Alford. Because Michael Alford's been a great hire for FSU. The FSU AA creation, which was a big David Coburn moment that created the hierarchy where they work better together. Michael Alford's going to have to work with whoever the next AD is. And they're going to have to have a good relationship. I think it's extremely beneficial to FSU if the next AD and Michael Alford hold a lot of similar thoughts, especially when it comes to generate money. How do we generate more money? What do we do with said money, namely projects on campus and also for student athletes? And I I think that's very important. But I don't want to answer for Michael Alford his emotional feelings about who the next AD is going to be. I, I do hope when they hire an AD, if we do not get an issue public comment, that I can maybe get some from Michael Alford and other people that are involved in such things. And John Torsky from Louisville, if you have any leads on Pappy Van Winkle, uh, slide in my DMs, please. Okay, the last thing I want to talk to, not super FSU related, though it will impact FSU directly or indirectly. Uh, and that is, well, let's let's do this first. Byer Sinone, Mario Cristobal to Miami by the end of Monday. Close of business Monday, Byer Sinone. I'm buying it. How, how about that? I, I well, I don't know if I'm buying that he ends up there, but I think we get finality for that finally today. You know, 96 to 120 hours into this whole thing. Yeah, let's get it done. I'm ready to uh, to move on from this saga. Zach, you guys have butchered this. No one has said buy or Sinone. Zach's on mute. Oh, shoot. Um, I think buy. I mean, he has to go to Miami, right? Like, he strained so many like relationships with Oregon throughout this process. Um, I don't know. It just wouldn't make no sense for him to go all this way to not go to Miami. And it just, 
I don't get this whole this whole search at all. Obviously, there's the whole situation with Manny Diaz being the coach there still, but I don't get why Cristobal's waiting so long when he's got like four days to recruit, like in Santa class, a nine person class, by the way. Like I just don't. It it has been. I mean, there's been these seismic shifts in college football with Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and, and power programs, and then you have this weird. This is it's been strange and strung out in an odd way. I'm with Zach, though. That's my reason for thinking that he probably goes to Miami. I don't I don't know if he has like I think he's burnt some bridges at Oregon based on our Oregon side's reporting of it. Um then possibly like taking off an offer, Phil Knight not being super happy. Remember, there's still some hurt feelings over the way Willie Taggart left and uh, the way he left Oregon for Florida State. So I think that's kind of a, a sensitive uh, it's a sensitive topic or, or development for Oregon. So uh, if he does, if Crystal Ball does end up coming home to Miami, Zach, you mentioned that not a whole, whole lot of time for Crystal Ball to recruit, but I do get the feeling like he's recruited at a national level at Oregon, still has ties to Miami. Like uh, the transition class will be the transition class, but I think he'll have some inroads with guys like say like a Nigel Lee Kelly uh, yeah. from South Florida or Kevin Coleman, who he's recruited, you know, someone from the Midwest who he's recruited to Oregon. I, I think that exists as like guys he'll have a chance at at least. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Nigel e. Kelly is the guy you you turn to because I think if uh, Crystal Ball, but yeah, I mean, I think if Oregon was twenty miles from his home, like Miami was or is, um, I think he'd end up there. But the whole reason why he's not probably going to go to Oregon was because of the distance. His mom, you know, was big on distance. He wants to come see him play, and that's what three thousand miles or something like that, crazy away. Um, so I think. Uh, I think with if he ends up at Miami, I think Nigel e. Kelly has a good shot of ending up in that class as well. I think Miami was was doing well there regardless. But if Chris Ball is the head coach, I could definitely see that happening soon. So I see somebody in the chat mentioning that Mario was on ESPN yesterday talking about their bowl game. That's what coaches do. Ball games get announced. They talk about them. Did, Hell, did he, did there, he ask, answer any questions? There's that. been coaches sitting at dinner with recruits for one school to get up and they don't ever come back because they've just left for another school. That's what they do. They all kind of, to some degree, lead you on, lie, and do what they want to do when it comes time to do what they're going to do. That person may be a politician and now. Why would Mario take Miami? Because he loves Miami. Mario Cristobal loves that place. He yeah. bleeds it. He Play loves it. If you're going to pay him substantially and make a financial investment in the program, that's why it would take him. Just quick note here. Um, it's being reported that Jules Montanar, or the Gators cornerback coach, is not being retained by Billy Napier. Just for sure. note for that Azare Thomas uh, recruitment. That also impacts the kid that decommitted from Notre Dame. Devin, Devin Moore. Yeah. yeah, I think Devin also had a really good relationship with Jules. Jules is popular with the guys he recruits. I think he has one of those, kind of like Marcus Woodson, he has one of those personalities that if you kind of connect with him, you're going to really connect with him. Uh, the last topic, I think we just need to do a round of applause for Florida State and the entire ACC. Brent Venables leaves for Oklahoma. Be the head coach. It's about time that guy takes a head coaching job somewhere. No? Okay. I'll send right. it. Let's – what? Let's end this podcast. Anything I got you guys some want coaching to say? news for you. Oh, my God. Okay. 12 years ago on this day, Florida State hired Eddie Grand from Tennessee. 
Thanks for throwing that wet fish. Where's Eddie there, at? Josh. Right I don't know what to do. See, with that. He's back off field at Kentucky. They they brought him. Mark Stoops brought him back. I, I don't know if he's an analyst or yeah, I believe he's an analyst off field there. It's funny when I watch A and M games. I always see LD on the sideline. Like for whatever reason, he always him and Mark Robinson are like the two guys from the FSU days at AM that I always see when I watch an AM game. Mark's I got a call from Dossie and Coley during AM's bye week. They were riding out to lunch and they were just they just wanted to chat. So they put me on speakerphone with the two of them. You, you like should call times. James right now and be like, So what's your boy Mario gonna do? Right. Let's get him on the pod right. right now. Call him right now. Don't tell him he's been right. recorded either. Right. It's totally legal. Yeah. About on the Patreon show. Okay, Patreon. <laughs> hey, Another if anyone wants to one. if anyone wants to to sponsor on the bench, uh, we've had a lot of people reach out, some positive talks ongoing, still open for business though. So feel free to reach out to Josh or myself. Uh don't reach out to Chris because he'll just forward it on to me. Uh, maybe maybe Zach can be the one who closes the deal. Are you a deal closer? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You can tell yes. This is your baby. I'll hold it, I'll shake it. But when that diaper has to be changed, I'm giving it back to you. Don't don't shake a baby. It's yeah. so advisable. Yeah. You're the only father here, and you're the one talking about shaking babies. What's wrong with yeah, you? You see how they turned out. Pretty good. Do any yes? Do any of you think I can close a deal? Like that's the issue. I'm not. You, I'm not closing any deals. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna walk away from what I was gonna say and not do it. I'm just gonna not do it. I'm just gonna make a Chris Mark joke. I'll say it for him. For on the bench, I'm Brendan Snow, Christy. Zach Lawson, I'm pointing to them like you guys can see. Josh Huber, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. Peace!